Welcome to the podcast of Fairmount Presbyterian Church in Cleveland Heights, Ohio, where we feature our worship sermons. Listen again to past sermons from home, when you are traveling, or wherever you are. Listen in if you need a moment of reflection, inspiration, and love. Uh, In the year 2000, a group of American researchers began to study stress responses in whales in the Bay of Fundy off the coast of Nova Scotia. And in case you're wondering, yes, I lost a bet to to Lindsay, (laughs) and now I have to start every sermon with a whale story. I'm only kidding. She didn't know I was doing this this morning at the 8.30 service, so the surprise was ruined then. But how they carried out this study, and this you'll see that this is connected with our scripture today. Uh, This this experiment was, was pretty amusing. They had specially trained dogs on board the boats to sniff out the smell of whale feces in the surrounding bay so that they could collect them and measure the levels of stress hormones in them. And they were about a year into the study when the stress levels of the whales dropped precipitously in the fall of 2001. By the time they took the next set of measurements, the whales' stress had spiked again, back up to where it was before. It didn't take long for the scientists to figure out the reason for this sudden and temporary stress relief. That measurement in 2001 happened just after 9-11, when there was a temporary suspension of all ocean shipping in the bay as a matter of national security. The drop in underwater sound levels caused by the absence of these ships had given the whales a reprieve from their normal stress. But as it turns out, whales aren't the only species who show a correlation between noise and stress. So do humans. In 1975, a group of parents in Manhattan threatened to sue their school district. They claimed that the academic progress of their middle school children had been stunted by the noise from a nearby elevated subway track. Every time the train passed by, the teacher would have to raise their voice to be heard over the rumbling. They got a psychologist named Arlene Bronzecraft to see if their claim could be scientifically proven. When she compared the reading scores of the children whose classrooms faced the subway rails with their peers in the quieter classrooms on the other side of the building, she discovered something shocking. They were a full year behind. So what's really going on here? What's the physiological explanation for this stress response to noise? When sound waves enter our ears, they begin to to vibrate the tiny bones of our inner ears. And that vibration causes fluids to ripple inside of a pea-shaped chamber called the cochlea. That cochlea is lined with tiny hair-like structures that, when they're stimulated by the movement of this fluid inside, it creates electrical signals that are sent by our nervous system to a part of our brains called the amygdala. The amygdala is a part of our brain that regulates our emotions. 
And when our amygdala receives too many stimuli at once, we can release stress hormones. To put it very simply, noise can cause stress. We'll return to that idea in a moment, but for now, let's turn to our story from Scripture this morning. After months and months of patient waiting, Elizabeth has finally given birth to her son. And at his naming ceremony, this eighth-day naming ceremony in Jewish tradition, Elizabeth declares that his name will be John. Now, their friends and family are surprised about that part of it because that is breaking a Jewish custom that insisted that a son be named after his father or another male relative in the family. So the people look to Zechariah for him to overrule his wife. But in verse 63, Zechariah backs Elizabeth. Asking for a tablet, he surprised everyone by writing, his name is John. Now you just heard in Time for Young Disciples, as Lindsay read the children's version of the story, you heard why Zechariah couldn't speak at that time. So let's get more of that backstory. Zechariah was a priest in the, the temple. And one day he was carrying out his normal priestly duties in the temple in Jerusalem, and suddenly the angel Gabriel appeared to tell him that his wife Elizabeth was pregnant with a child who they would name John. And when Zechariah doesn't seem to believe that this will really happen, Gabriel says, Know this, what I have spoken will come true at the proper time, but because you didn't believe, you will remain silent unable to speak until the day when these things happen. And so from that day, Zechariah is struck silent, speechless. Can you imagine nine months of silence? I'll tell you, there's no way that I would sign up for nine months of silence. And yet still, I affirm the old adage that silence is golden. And that's not just my opinion, it's also scientifically proven. A few years ago, a team from Duke Medical School used mice to examine the power of sound and silence on our brains. They put mice in these tiny soundproof booths for two hours a day. And they split these mice into five groups. Four groups of mice would get different sounds piped into their booths. White noise, Mice pup sounds, Mozart's sonata in D, and ambient noise. And the fifth and final group of mice got nothing. Complete and utter silence. Afterwards, for each group of mice, the scientists measured the cell growth in their hippocampus, the area of our brain most critical to learning and memory. By now, you can probably guess the outcome. Silence won out. The mice who spent two hours a day in silence grew more new brain cells than any other group of mice. Now, this is known as the attention restoration theory, which posits that when we put ourselves in environments with lower levels of sensory stimulation, it actually gives our brains a chance to recover. And it gets even more fascinating when we dig a little deeper. Earlier, I cited 
studies about whales and sixth graders to demonstrate that noise can actually cause us stress, stress that's caused by an overstimulation of our brains. But in the Duke study of the mice, the researchers concluded that listening deeply in a quiet environment can actually be a kind of positive stress. They call it eustress. Think of it like this. Negative stress or distress can hinder our ability to learn or to think clearly. It can lead to mental health conditions like anxiety or depression and even make us more uh, higher risk for certain physical conditions like heart disease. On the other hand, researchers say that positive stress or eustress can actually improve our focus and clarity. It helps us stay motivated, helps us work towards our goals and feel good about life. Now, there are many ways that we can try to create eustress in our lives, this positive stress, but for my money, nothing beats silence. And yet it seems, doesn't it, that it is increasingly hard to find silence in our world today. If it seems to you that the world is actually getting louder, you're not wrong. According to the National Park Service's Natural Sounds and Night Skies Division, which sends researchers all over the country to study the noise environments of the outdoors, noise pollution doubles or even triples in our country every 30 years. On top of that, many new studies are finding that the constant visual and auditory demands of our digital world are putting enormous stress on our prefrontal cortex in our brains. So in a world so full of noise and distraction, how do we find silence? Well, if you want to bring down the noise level in your life, you could join one of the more than 150 organizations across the United States dedicated to noise reduction. And as far as I can tell, the only thing that these organizations like more than quiet is a clever acronym. <laughs> For instance, you could join ROAR, also known as Residents Opposed to Airport Racket. Or horn, halt outrageous railroad noise. <laughs> what about blast, ban leaf blowers and save our town? <laughs> or you could be in heaven. That is healthier environment through the abatement of vehicle emissions and noise. Now I'm not saying that these organizations don't have a worthwhile mission. But look, even if you can't stop the rest of the world from making noise, you can seek out places and moments and practices of silence in your ordinary, everyday life. You can slow down, stop moving, stop doing, and be still. I can attest to the transforming power of silence in my own life. About four years ago, I went on my first silent retreat. It was three days, 72 hours of silence with a group of about 30 men at a monastery. 
Not a single word, even as we ate meals together. It was life-changing for me. Since then, I've sought to integrate more silence into my life. I used to think that you couldn't pray without words, but now I find that my most transformative spiritual experiences come in complete silence. And these experiences have led me to read Zechariah's story in a completely new way. You see, I've always understood the angel taking away Zechariah's ability to speak as a punishment for his unbelief. But what if the silence was actually a gift from God? What if God desperately wanted Zechariah to slow down, to become fully aware of the miracle forming in Elizabeth's womb? What if God understanding that Zechariah was burdened with too much distress in his life, what if God wanted to give Zechariah some eustress? What if those nine months of silence were exactly what Zechariah needed? What if? What if we tried to practice silence, to be silent on purpose, What if we laid down our most tempting distractions to give our brains a chance to recover, to offer our souls a moment to breathe? What if we quieted our voices and stilled our bodies long enough to notice God's presence within each of us, to simply be instead of always doing? Let me show you how that might feel. I invite you to close your eyes for a few moments and to take a few deep breaths. And as you breathe, I invite you to listen to the words of Scripture that I share. And between, just keep breathing in the silence. Be still and know that I am God. Be still and know that I am Be still and know. Be still. Amen.
We thank you for listening to a worship episode from Fairmount Presbyterian Church. Revisit this podcast site weekly for new worship episodes. Have a beautiful and blessed day.